So uh, I came to this realization a few weeks ago that it has been 15 years since I graduated high school. And uh, yeah, uh, for seniors, that means uh, you were about my son Hudson's age uh, when I was graduating high school. And uh, there's really no point to that except I'm getting old. Um, But I still remember 15 years ago and I remember uh, what it was like and I remember going through it. Uh, I grew up here, if you didn't know, and sat in those pews uh, right where you're sitting was in that youth group just like uh, many of you seniors. Uh, And I remember going to college and beginning to ask a lot of questions about life, about um, what was I made for? What was my purpose? What am I created for? Like, if I can be anything I want to be, if I can do anything I want to do, like, what am I going to do? Uh, I, I knew I, I needed to make money. Uh, my dad had made that very clear. Um, and uh, I didn't know a whole lot about what I wanted to do, but my papa was a petroleum engineer, so I chose petroleum engineering and uh, went to A&M. And I really didn't know what I was living for beyond me. Uh, I was pretty much living for myself. Uh, and so I spent my college years and my young adult years uh, just chasing the dream, right? Living for myself, living what was best for Byron. Um, not that I didn't consider others and all that, but really I lived my life for me. And I, I didn't know, I, I didn't have a s- strong grasp of this is what I was made for. This is what I was created for. My life was all about me. And to be honest, it really left me empty, right? We weren't created to be the ultimate end in ourselves. Uh, sem- seniors, you're, you're in, a, in a similar place. You're, you're getting to make decisions uh, for the first time. You're getting to choose what you want to do. You're, you're heading to college and adulthood. Um, you're excited, many of you. Some of you may be scared and you may not admit that uh, to your parents, uh, but you probably are a little bit. Um, but you're getting to make real decisions. You're getting to decide what you want to be, what you want to do, what your life's going to be about, how you're going to, how you're going to exercise your freedom, where you're going to go, who you're going to be friends with, whether you believe in God, whether you don't. All, you're getting to make these decisions, maybe for the first time in your life. And you're going to have to answer this question one way or the other. What am I created for? We all answer it in some way. And seniors, you, you get to begin to answer that question. What am I created for? Why am I here? What is this all about? I want us to look at a passage of scripture this morning in 1 John chapter 4 um, that hopefully will kind of help answer that question for us or at least point you in the right direction. And my hope is that you will see and all of us will see, uh, not just seniors, what we were created for. Because whether you're leaving, on, leaving to go to Texas State or you're staying here because you've lived here for 90 years, Ted Ivey, like it, it's true for all of us, right? What are we created for? And these are the three simple truths that John's going to teach us today. Number one, we were created, we are created to be loved by God, number one. Number two, we are created to love God. And number three, we are created to love one another. We're created to be loved by God first. We're created to love God, and we're created to love one another. Now, I was looking up some statistics the other day, and uh, Lifeway put out some statistics about college students, and uh, here's what the most recent stats say. The stats say this, that almost two out of three college students 
will no longer regularly attend church by the end of college. This is the most recent stats out. That kids, like our kids that stood up here, that have been a part of church, that have been involved in church, that have come regularly, uh, either Wednesday nights, Sundays, whatever, by the end of college, two out of three will no longer regularly attend church. Now, I don't know what you think about that. Some people may think, oh, that's a good thing. They're figuring out what they believe. Um, to me, it's disheartening. It's sad, right? And, and there's a lot of reasons for why, and, and many come back to the church later, typically when they have uh, a wife or a husband and kids. People come back to the faith because they want their kids to be involved. Um, but two out of three church kids will walk away from the church during college. And I think one of the reasons is maybe some of what I felt when I left was I didn't really know what I was created for. I thought I was created for me. I thought I was created to succeed. But I missed the point, Um, not from lack of teaching. I'm a preacher's kid. (laughs) But it didn't sink in, right? And seniors, it doesn't have to be this way for you. I'm telling you this, you don't have to walk away from the church. You don't have to walk away from God to find God. That's the opposite direction of finding God, by the way, walking away from him. You need the church, and the church needs you. We need college students. You need the church. You need a body of believers to keep you walking with God. But the only way you're going to do that is if you know what you were created for. Um, If you're living for yourself, you're going to be a part of the statistic. You're going to be one of those two. If you're living for your own acclaim and your own glory, you'll probably be a part of the statistic. If you're living for yourself, if you're living for what's best for you, you'll probably be a part of the statistic. But if you understand what you were created for, what your purpose is, then you will be different. We can be sure of that. And these are the three simple truths we're going to talk about today. And John's so repetitive, so I'm going to be repetitive today. Number one, we are created to be loved by God first. We're created to love God, and we're created to love one another. So let's look at 1 John 4, and we're going to start in verse 7 uh, through 12. 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 12. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice, the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Let me pray. God, I pray this morning that you would just focus my mind and help uh, me to explain this clearly. God, I pray that, um, pray for our seniors, we pray for all of us, God, that we would know what it is you have created us for. God, I pray that we would know that we were created to be loved by you, we were created to love you, and we were created to love one another. And so I pray that that would sink in. I pray that that would, that would um, alter the course of these seniors' lives. God, that they would live out of that, uh, not chasing some fulfillment in something else. God, but may they chase after you. May they find their hope in you and you alone, God. So be with us this morning as we study. God, we pray all this in your son's name. Amen.
All right, let's look at verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So John's, John's basic charge, he actually starts with point number three. Uh, and John's all over the place. If you don't know, he's just, he says everything multiple ways, and then he comes back and he says it again. And he's not really a linear thinker. I'm a linear thinker, Ashley Horton process, right? But, but he, John's just all over the place. He's more ADD. Uh, and his charge is this, that we should love one another because we have been born of God and God is love. And so what he's saying is that God is, is the source of all true love. It's inherent to his being. God has no other option. He is love. He can't take his DNA out, right? He is love. And so what he's saying is we can't really understand true, real love unless we understand God, unless we know God. And now that's a bold statement because non-Christians love their kids, Non-Christian, people who don't know God, atheists, they love their kids. So what's he saying? He's saying they don't really know love. What he's saying is this, is that all the other loves pale in comparison to who God is. They pale in comparison. They're nothing like the, the real, true love. All the other experiences of love we have in this world are just these little shadows, and they point us to the real thing. But John's telling us this, if we've been born of God and we know God, then we should, we will love others. So what does it mean to be born of God? It means that we are, we are a son, we are a daughter of God. It means that we have a saving relationship with him through Jesus. We have been made his children. What does it mean to know God? This is not just general awareness like, like it's 72 degrees in this room or I know so-and-so, right? This is deep knowledge. This is, I know my wife and my wife knows me, right? This is depth, right? He's saying if you have been born of God, you're in his family and you know him like a, like a spouse knows their spouse, right? Then you should love. So what he's saying is this, if you, if any of us would claim to have a relationship with God through Jesus, one of the defining characteristics of our life our purpose, what we were created for. The defining thing about us should be what? That we love one another. And so we should ask this question, who is one another? What does he mean? Uh, and we don't have all the time in the world this morning um, to trace this out, but what he, is, what he means specifically here by one another is he means the church. He doesn't mean go love generally, go love the world, right? He's not, he's not, you know, hippie, like holding up peace signs, right? He's not saying love the world, right? He's saying love one another. He's saying love the church, right? And he's not saying that we shouldn't love the world or that we shouldn't love strangers or we shouldn't love the lost, right? That's not what he's saying at all because we know what Jesus taught. We know he said, who is my neighbor, right? And he says, it's your enemy, right? So... We know that that's not what he's saying, but what he is emphasizing here is that we should love one another, the church. That's part of who we were created to be. We were meant to love one another as a church. And so college student, that's part of your purpose. Part of your purpose is to love one another, the church, to be a part of it, to be connected to it, to gain strength from it, to, to give strength to others, right? That you can't do that from afar. You can't do that, honestly, by live stream. Sorry, people watching live, by live stream, right? I don't feel much love coming from the camera right now. Like, I just don't, right? I don't get to interact. I don't get to, I don't get to rub shoulders, right? 
right? And there's certainly a place for that. I didn't mean to, whatever. Anyway, um, but what he's saying is this. We should be, we should love the church. We should be connected to it. We should be committed to it. That's part of our purpose. And what he insinuates in this verse, and he makes clear in the next, is that if we don't love one another, if we're not loving one another, then we don't really understand the depth of God's saving love for us. That's what he says next. Look at verse 8. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, John is just, ooh, like, so straightforward. Right? He's not really complicated. He's not beating around the bush. He's not using fancy language. He is straight to the point. He's coming right at us with the plain truth. So he says this. Just, I mean, just soak it in. Just read it. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Why? 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 Why is that true? He says, because God is love. He is the definition of everything that is love. And if God has saved you and you have been made his child, then because God's DNA is love, then our DNA is love. Like my kids look like me a little bit and they look like my wife a lot, right? And they look like us, right? Praise God, right? They don't look like me a whole lot. Um, Right? That's, their DNA is Byron and Maddie. They have our DNA. There's no way around it. And he says, if we're going to claim to be a son or daughter of God, then our DNA is the same as God's. It's love, right? This doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we're legalistic. And if we ever screw up, if we ever mess up, or we ever hate or whatever, that we're no longer his children. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the pattern of our life ought to be love, not hate not apathy, not disinterest. Now, the world and our culture can confuse us here really quickly um, because in our world, what love means is acceptance. What our, what our world means, like if I, if I don't accept you or I don't embrace everything about you or I say anything is wrong about you, then I don't love you, right? They would say that oftentimes that Christians are hateful because we would say that something is wrong. But, but if we are going to believe the Bible, um, what, what the Bible teaches us is this, is that God is love and God is truth. And he, he, when he speaks, it is true, right? And so if, if, if we're going to say that to uh, say something is wrong is not loving, then we would have to say that God is not loving. But we know that God is fully love and fully true. And he is the most loving and he is the most true. There, he is the standard of love and he is the standard of truth. It's actually the most loving thing for God to do to tell us the truth. It's hateful of God to not tell us the truth. It'd be hateful of God to just accept us as we are. No, because we're, we're sinners who are rebels against him, right? If he doesn't tell us the truth and he just kind of, oh, it's okay, just come. And, and then the truth comes out in the end. That's not loving, the most loving thing God can do is speak the truth. And so for us as Christians, this is just to the point of our culture here, that we can't, we can't balk on one of these. We can't go, oh, we're all in on love and not on truth, or we're all in on truth and not on love. No, 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 no. If we got God's DNA, if we're claiming to be his sons and daughters, then we should be both loving and truthful, full of love, full of truth. Because what happens is, is when we understand God's love, this changes us. 
Uh, we're new. We're not the same. The Bible describes it as being reborn. Our old self and everything we used to be was ruled by sin, was ruled by self, was ruled by pride, was ruled by all kinds of things, and it controlled us. And he's saying when we are made new, when we are made God's children, then we are uh, new. We have new desires. We have new passions. We have new everything. And once we know the truth, then we're new creatures who are called to love one another. That's not the base state of our world. If you look around in our world right now, what's the, what's the state of the world? chaos, right? Whether you're in the Middle East or you're in Washington, D.C. or you're in Huntington, Texas, the state of the world is chaos. Why? Because people ruled by sin don't tend to love. They don't tend to be kind. They don't tend to be humble, right? We need to be made new. We need to be made new as sons and daughters of God. Look at verse 9. He says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. I, I should be mean and ask a senior to define manifest, but I won't. Uh, what does it mean that the love of God was made manifest? It means it was made real. It was, it was personified. It was, it was seen. I don't know if that's the actual definition, but I'm the one with the microphone. So uh, what he's saying is this. How do we know what love is? The way we know that what true love is is by looking to Jesus, right? He says that's the standard and the epitome and the greatest example we have of what love is. God sent his son to the world to show us who the father was. He lived, he lived a perfect life, never sinning, doing all that was good. And he showed us who the father was. Just like if you see Hudson Andrew walk down the aisle right now, you can tell he's not going to, don't look. Uh, you would know that's, that's Byron's son. You can tell. It's pretty obvious, right? And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to live and to show us who the Father was. Not only that, he gave up his life. He gave up his rights. He gave up everything to sacrifice himself on the cross to show us what true love really was. So what does it say? That the, why Jesus came to save us. What does it say in verse 9? It says that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Not that we might live through ourselves, not that we might live for ourselves, not that we might live for whatever. He says, God came to save us. God sent his son Jesus to save us so that we might live through him. And so our calling, what we were created for, was not to live for ourselves. When we do, we end up empty. I've been there. When we live for ourselves, we, we, we flail. We do all kinds of activity, but we never really arrive. We, we, we seek fulfillment, and we never find it. And what he says is we were created to love God. We were created to live our life through him. Um, this is what we were created for. I want you to think about something with me. Uh, think about a sports car. Now, I'm not really a car guy. I'm not really... Uh, not super knowledgeable. I know how they turn on. I know how to drive it, uh, all that stuff. I have a license. Uh, Diego's laughing. Uh, thank you. Uh, but I do know a few things about my, my truck. I know that the tires are round. Um, I know that the oil needs to be changed every three to 5,000 miles, depending on your oil. And uh, I know that the engine needs coolant in it, right? Or it's going to overheat, right? That's, that's like the extent of my knowledge uh, about cars. But that's how it was designed. That's what it was created for, right? And now, now I could get mad about this and go, you know what? 
I really, really, really want some square tires, right? Because that's how I'm going to express myself, is I'm going to have square tires. And I, it, oil is expensive. I think I'm just going to use water, right? I don't need to put oil in the engine, or I'm not going to change it at all, right? Or it doesn't need coolant. It's really fine. Air is cool sometimes, right? We'll just leave air in there, right? And I can rail against how the car was designed, right? But what's going to happen? The car's not going to work. This nice, new, fancy sports car I have, it's not going to work. It may not even turn on, but if it does, it's definitely not going fast, which is what it was created for, right? Right? In order for the car to flourish, it has to work according to the design that God had made it by, or the Creator made it by. And this is the same for us. We were created, you and I, by God. And He designed us a certain way. And the way the Scripture says He designed us was to love, to be loved, to love God, and to love one another. And when we try to rail against that, go, you know what? No, I'm living for myself. We don't flourish. We don't succeed. We don't, it doesn't work, right? God made us a certain way, just like a designer of a car made it a certain way, right? This is how God made you. You were created to be loved by God, to love God, and to love one another. Let's, go, let's keep going. I'm running out of time. Verse 10. Talking about square tires. What? Verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God said, John is saying, if, if we have any love, it's not because, because of us. He's saying if we have any love, it's because God loved us first. If, if you think about it, this is the baseline truth to the gospel message. You really can't move past this. God loved us first, right? That, God created us good. We know this in the beginning, but we chose sin. We chose to go our own way. We chose, we chose death, to be honest. And, and that separated us from God. And, and the way we got back into relationship with God was not go, oh, hey, I love you again. <laughs> right? Hey, uh, you know, like, I'm not your enemy anymore. Just kidding, right? No, it says the basic message of the gospel is first that God loved us first. He's the one who came to get us. He's the one that came to rescue us. Way before we ever loved him, way before we ever thought about loving him, he loved us. And he put a plan in place to send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, to save us, to bring us back into relationship. That's what it means, to the propitiation for our sins. He got rid of them, and he allowed us to come back into relationship. We were created to be loved by God. And this is the one that I skip over more often than the others. We were created... We, we can skip past this because what, what we do is like, what am I created? This is how my mind works, at least. What was I created to do? I want to go straight to the doing. I want to go straight to the, to what am I going to do for God? What am I going to do for the world? How am I going to impact the world? How am I going to change the world? And number one has to start with being. We were created to be something before we were created to do something. And he says that we were created to be loved by God because God did love us first. Yeah, we're going to go on and we're going to do some things. We're going to love others and we're going to love God. But first and foremost, if you don't understand first that God loves you and he sent his son to die for you, the others will never come, right? 
You have to believe the gospel before you can ever love God or ever love one another. And if you believe this, it will change your life. Let's look at verse 11 and 12, and then we'll finish. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This seems really straightforward, and I think it is, but there is some depth here. What he's saying is, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, we ought to so love one another. What he's saying is, the measure that God loved us is the measure that we're meant to love others. The depth that God has loved us is the depth that we're meant to love others. And this is true, we talked about in our life group a little bit this morning. Right? The, the measure that we have been loved is the measure we will love. The measure we've been forgiven is the measure we will forgive others. Right? Uh, there's this saying, hurt people hurt people. You ever heard this? Hurt people hurt people. The people who have been hurt hurt other people. The same is also true. People that have been loved love people. Loved people love people. And that is exactly what he's saying, Right? The measure that we understand God's love for us is the measure that we will love other people. And so that's why he's saying, if you don't love one another, you don't understand God's love because you don't realize how much God has loved you. Look at verse 12. He says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What he's saying is our, our communities of faith, who we are as people and who we are as a, as a gathered people, are meant to be a picture to the world of God's love. He says that no one has ever seen God and he applies no one ever will. But he, he almost insinuates here, like the way we're going to see God on this earth is by loving one another. is by loving one another and loving God together. People will get a glimpse of who God is and they will want that. Right? He's saying not that we'll be perfect. He's not saying we're going to always get it right. Living with people and living in a church is messy. It's not always clean and easy, right? He's saying his love is being perfected in us. It's not perfect right now. It's, it's progressively getting better, but it's not perfect, right? And what he's saying is that if we are, know our purpose, know what we were created for, to love God, to be loved, to love God and love one another, then the world will see it. More and more, and, and more and more people will experience being loved by God, being loving God, and loving one another. We're all looking for our purpose. We're all looking what we were created for, seniors especially, right, because of where you're at in life. But we all are asking that question. And this is what John lays out clearly here. This is who we were created to be. Number one, we were created to be loved by God. Number two, we were created to love God. And number three, we were created to love one another. Seniors, I am proud of you. Uh, y'all were the first group of kids. I got to, uh, y'all were the first seventh graders that came into the youth group when I was here. And I told these stories on Wednesday night of how I thought there could never be more immature kids. <laughs> really had that thought many a days. Like, it's never going to get worse than this. And look at you now. You're like doctors of philosophy and whatever else, right? I mean, like, you grew up. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of where you're headed. Uh, I'm excited for what's ahead. And my prayer is that you would know what you're created for. Don't waste time. Don't, don't waste time trying to 
chase other things that won't fulfill you. Be loved by God. Love God and love other people. Um, I have a couple announcements, and then I'm going to pray and bless the food. It's noon, and I'm hungry. Um, just a couple of announcements, and then um, I'll, I'll pray. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who came out and supported our youth barbecue yesterday. We uh, profited like $1,200 plus, and so thank you for that. Um, uh, on your way to lunch, please pass through the foyer, and we have uh, sign-ups out there for Vacation Bible School. It's June 20th through 23rd. It's a Sunday through a Wednesday. Lots of slots available to help serve uh, with that great yearly event. Aaron Willis is heading that up this year, and so yeah, if you have questions, you can reach out to Aaron or call the church office. Um, camps, parents, uh, if you've signed your kids up for camp, you should have been getting information, if not last week, hopefully this week. Uh, about forms and all that stuff, but you can come by or call the church office and Charity or I can help you with that. Um, Deacon nomination forms are up here. Uh, And then lastly, lunch. We're going to dismiss and go across the street. I'm going to pray so you can just go straight to getting food and uh, looking at senior tables and all of that. Uh, I do have a note from the kitchen committee. So if you're going to get food to go, you're going to take it home for somebody, can you please, this would help them a ton, wait until we have served everyone who is going to stay and eat, okay? This, is, this will help them do their job um, better. And we always have leftovers, and you can always take food home, but please just wait till we've served everyone coming through the line. So, sound good? All right, let me pray and bless the food, and then we will get out of here. God, we thank you for today, God. I pray that you would cement in our minds, whether we're 18 or we're 80, God, what we were created for to be loved by you, to love you, to love one another. God, may that define us as a church. May that define these college students as they go out. God, may that guide them and direct them and change them, God. May we be a people who are known for our love of you and love of one another and love of the world. And so, God, we... We thank you for today. God, I, I pray for the food. Thank you for those who have worked hard to prepare it. I pray that um, you would bless our time of fellowship together uh, and bless each one of these seniors' lives. God, we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.